Have you ever noticed that the lower jaw is not protected in sports? Did you know that 10,800 concussions will happen today? This has been an upward trend for the past 50 years. I'm Dr. Michael Hutchison, a practicing neuromuscular dentist. When my son wanted to participate in football and rugby, I was afraid he was going to get a concussion. That fear led me to finding the missing link to reducing concussions. The fact is, the only part of the skull that is not protected in sports is the lower jaw. If you want to drastically reduce concussions, there are three basic jaw positions that affect concussions and two of them are not good. The correct one is called physiologic jaw position. It will dissipate the force away from the brain. Knowing that, I designed an appliance that put my son's jaw in the right place and as a result, he was concussion-free from fifth grade all the way to senior year. This job position takes those 10,800 concussions today down to 28. It's the key to concussion protection. As a parent, this is what you need to know. It's extremely important that the device you are using is on the lower jaw. Thickness of the device is important. Most importantly, it must position and hold you in your own unique personal physiologic jaw position. So if your child goes out on the field with the correct jaw position, your son or daughter will not one of those 10,800 concussions today. Get yours today at powerplusmouthguard.com. Use the promo code POWERUP2023 for 10% off. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. You can follow me on social media outlets such as Facebook and Twitter, music streaming providers Spotify, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, CastBox.fm, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, then Anchor.fm and Patreon.com is where you can find me. Just search under Ross's FanCast. On the World Wide Web at RossBliley.com is where all my episodes are uploaded. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of FilmMusic.io. Thanks for your support, and I always appreciate feedback. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you all about it. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. So download the free Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started. He's remembered as a fierce competitor who challenged his teammates and players. He took a handful of newbies and made them into a football team. He demanded passion for the game. He persevered under pressure to win. His volatile personality carved a unique path in the National Football League. 
Despite many personality conflicts with teammates, players, and press reporters, he won two NFL championships. He was voted league MVP in 1960 and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1971. This is Pigskin Tales, the story of Norm the Dutchman Van Brocklin. Norman Mack Von Brocklin was born in a small town in South Dakota in 1926. As a baby, his farming parents moved the family from Butte Creek to Walnut Creek, California. There, he lettered in football, baseball, and basketball. In two seasons of varsity football at Acolanes High, he compiled a record of nine wins, five losses, and two ties. He decided to forego his senior season of football to join the U.S. Navy in 1943. By 1946, he decided to enroll in college at the University of Oregon. In two seasons as starting quarterback at Oregon, he compiled a winning record of 16-5. He took a 7-0 team to an appearance in the Cotton Bowl in 1948. In a thrilling, dramatic game, Oregon lost to Southern Methodist University 21-13. In his career at Oregon, Van Brocklin threw for almost 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns. His success in college landed him a roster spot in the NFL for the Los Angeles Rams. In the spring of 1949, the Los Angeles Rams took a risk and drafted Norm Van Brocklin as a quarterback in the fourth round. Although he had to split time at quarterback with veteran Bob Waterfeld, Van Brocklin was able to carve his own path to success in the NFL. In nine seasons with the Rams, his record as a starting quarterback was 42 wins, 20 losses, 3 ties. He passed for 16,114 career yards, 118 touchdowns, 127 interceptions, and completed a passing attempt completion percentage of 53.3%. He is most notable for winning an NFL championship in 1951. At the beginning of the regular season in 1951, he beat the New York Yanks 54-14. In that game, Van Brocklin threw five touchdowns and two interceptions with a 65.9% completion percentage. His 554 passing yards in that single game is still a record that has yet to be broken. The next closest player to that record is Matt Schaub of the Houston Texans. In November of 2012, the Texans played the Jaguars. In that game, Schaub completed 78.2% of his passes, threw five touchdowns and two interceptions, and won the game in thrilling, dramatic fashion, 43-37 in overtime. Following the conclusion of the 1957 season, Van Brocklin was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. There, he was a star that guided the franchise to their first NFL championship. In his storied career in Philadelphia, he threw for 7,497 yards, 55 touchdowns, 51 interceptions, 
and completed 54.3% of his pass attempts. After playing 140 games in 12 wild seasons in the NFL, Norm Van Brocklin passed for 23,611 career yards, threw 173 career touchdowns, and was intercepted 178 times. He completed 53.6% of his pass attempts, was selected to nine Pro Bowls, was the recipient of the Burt Bell Award in 1960, and voted the NFL's most valuable player. When the calendar flipped to the year 1960, Van Brocklin was getting ready to retire as a player in the National Football League. He made a handshake deal with the Eagles' ownership to take over head coaching duties once Bob Shaw officially retired. Unfortunate for Van Brocklin, as ownership chose to go with someone already on the coaching staff. They promoted defensive line coach Nick Skorich to be the guy next in charge of the team. Van Brocklin heavily criticized the move by Eagles ownership. However, nothing was solid in writing. As fate would have it, Van Brocklin got an offer from general manager Burt Rose to coach an expansion team of the newly established American Football League, rival of the National Football League. Later, in 1970, the two leagues would merge and become one league, the National Football League. The team Van Brocklin would coach for the franchise's first six seasons became the Minnesota Vikings. To compare, the Eagles under Nick Skorich in 1961 went 10-4 but missed the playoffs. The Vikings under Van Brocklin went 3-11, not even close to getting to the playoffs. Skorich was fired within the next two seasons as head coach. Van Brocklin stayed in Minnesota until 1967. Jerry Reichow, a former teammate and player of Van Brocklin, explained the Vikings record and leadership under Van Brocklin. He took them about as far as you could take them and as fast as you could take them. Interestingly, the Dutchman had no coaching experience prior to becoming the first head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, but Vikings ownership and GM Burt Rose believed that Van Brocklin was the best leader of the team at that time due to his two NFL championship rings and because of his tenacious hard work, demanding attitude, and high intelligence of the passing game. In the spring of 1961, Coach Van Brocklin's philosophy was no pain, no gain. He often forbid players during training camp and practice to drink water. He ran his team with strict rules and regulations. However, he was well respected throughout the league for that. Said Vikings star running back Boom Boom Brown, Norm would have us out in it whether it was hot or cold. He'd run us all day and we'd be dripping wet some days. Those were the days, boy. Fran Tarkenton, a rookie in the league, said of Coach Van Brocklin, Van Brocklin wasn't my favorite person, as people know. But he was a great, great player, and he really understood the passing game. And he understood the quarterbacks. He prepared me. Even though Vikings general manager Burt Rose had a star quarterback in George Shaw, he still decided to draft another quarterback in the 1961 NFL Draft.
With the Vikings' third overall pick, he chose Georgia quarterback Francis Tarkenton to compete for the starting job against Shaw. It is assumed that in training camp held at Bemidji State University that Van Brocklin decided to go with Tarkenton at his starting quarter as his starting quarterback in the inaugural season. However, in a surprise move the morning of the first regular season game in September of 1961, coach Van Brocklin informed the rookie that he was going to start Shaw instead. Van Brocklin said he was going to start me, so I went over to his house every night that week and watched film. The Bears blitzed 80% of the time with all kinds of screwy blitzes. Van Brocklin had drilled into me all the audibles and things to watch out for. I knew it would work if I got the chance. Since Van Brocklin's nature was so unpredictable, he informed Tarkenton he needed to give Shaw a chance to start. Unfortunate for the Vikings' number one blockbuster trade with the Giants, Shaw barely played the first quarter against the historic Chicago Bears in September of 1961. Down 3-0 in the first quarter, Coach Van Brocklin made a quarterback change and put in Fran Tarkenton. In a rout, the Vikings upset the heavily favored Bears in a 37-13 victory at the legendary Metropolitan Stadium. Tarkenton threw four touchdown passes and ran for one more. In 1961, I was not even a thought to my parents yet. However, if I was alive and able to watch the game, I would have been ecstatic to see the very first game being won by the new franchise in Minneapolis. I would have been cheering loud and proud to have seen Tarkenton throw those four touchdown passes and run for one more score against the Bears. Winning that game against the fabled Chicago Bears gave fans hope that this new pro football team in the Twin Cities could lead to something big. However, in that inaugural season, the Vikings only won three games under Van Brocklin. They lost 11 of the 14 they played. They didn't make the playoffs. I think the expectations of the new team were too high because no one really knew how things were going to turn out, especially Coach Van Brocklin, because everything was new to him. In six seasons with the Vikings, Van Brocklin only had one winning season. That came in 1964 when the team went 8-5-1. Still didn't make the playoffs, but progress was being made in winning some games. Most players that played for Van Brocklin found it difficult to understand how he was teaching them to play the game he was so very passionate about. He was all about offense and the quarterback was the most important person on the field. When he described the quarterback, he said, The word desire is overworked, but a quarterback must have desire. He can't discourage easily. He has to be confident that if he just hangs on against adversity, he finally can get the job done. Aside from his brutal training camps, Norm Van Brocklin's sideline and post-game anger towards reporters became normal between 1961 and 1967. He cooled off for one season while he did some game analysis for CBS in 1967. In 1968, he was the next head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. 
Van Brocklin's volatility made it especially tough on Frank, Fran Tarkenton. Tarkenton wanted to play his game naturally by scrambling away from defensive linemen and Van Brocklin wanted him to stay in the pocket and become a more standard NFL player. Tarkenton was so fed up with the head coaches yelling that he got to the point where he went to the Vikings ownership and demanded a trade because he could not stand to work with Van Brocklin anymore. Tarkenton did eventually get his wish and was traded to the New York Giants in 1967. It wasn't until 1972 that Bud Grant brought Tarkenton back for six more seasons with the Vikings. In a surprise move by Van Brocklin in the spring of 1967, he told the Vikings ownership that he was done coaching because no one would listen to him. The players could not understand his plays and Fran Tarkenton was only in the league to play by his own rules. He wasn't going to play the position the way that he wanted. So he quit. His record in Minnesota as a head coach was 29 wins, 51 losses, and 4 ties. After he quit coaching in Minnesota, he got an offer to be a commentator on CBS to keep his mind in the game. During the 1968 season, the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, Frank Wall, discussed with Norm an offer for him to take the head coaching job. The Falcons were in their third season as a franchise in the NFL and were looking to Norm to help them win some games. He took the job with gusto and rallied the woeful team out of the depths of despair and compiled a record of 37 wins, 49 losses, and 3 ties in 7 seasons as head coach. Overall, yeah, it was a losing record, however you must consider that the team had only won 3 games total in 2 seasons prior to Van Brocklin arriving. In 1974, with a season record of 2-6, and six, Atlanta ownership fired him. Once coaching pro football was over in 1974 for Van Brocklin, he decided to take a job as an assistant running backs coach under Georgia Tech head coach Pepper Rogers in 1979. In addition, he analyzed college football on the WTBS television station Superstation in Atlanta, and he grew pecans on his farm near Social Circle, Georgia. In 1983, our Father in Heaven sent an angel down to get Norm the Dutchman Van Brocklin after he suffered a massive heart attack. He was only 57 years old. Today, the NFL superstar quarterback turned head coach is immortalized in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, and the University of Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press interviewed one of Van Brocklin's daughters right after the Eagles won Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota, and she said that he would have loved to see the Eagles win the big one. He would have been so proud. Norm, the Dutchman Van Brocklin, was a fierce competitor, but also a lovable, sensitive guy. Overbearing at times, but that just showed that he had passion for the game of football. From the fans' perspective, after losing three seasons in a row, I would have told my dad and brothers that Norm's got to go. Whatever he's doing, it isn't working. The team isn't playing up to their potential. 
Yeah, they had Scrambling Fran that could sling the ball and make big plays with his legs. They had Chuck Foreman, a punishing running back who could run the ball down the throat of the defense. They had the Purple People Eaters on defense. Jim Marshall, Alan Page, Gary Larson, and Carl Eller. However, they only made the playoffs once Bud Grant became the next head coach. Coach Van Brocklin was not a good choice for Burt Rose and Vikings ownership at the time. I believe that they rushed into the situation too quickly and Van Brocklin just happened to be a big name at the time. Despite the fact that Fran and Norm didn't get along as player and coach, both had success in the NFL in separate ways. In the next episode, I will dive into Fran Tarkenton's football life. Thanks for listening to Pigskin Tales. This story was written and produced by Ross Bliley. Edited by Nicole Bliley. Sources of information were found online at ProFootballHallOfFame.com and Google Newspapers. Statistics are researched online at footballdb.com, organsportshall.org, and profootballreference.com. Quotes referenced are from books purchased. 100 Things Vikings Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, written by Mark Craig, and Tales from the Minnesota Vikings Sidelines, collection of the greatest stories ever told, written by Bill Williamson and Eric Thompson. Soundtrack provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook as Ross's Fancast. To review my past work, go to my website at www.rossbliley.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.